Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone. This is Jim Asker on the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast, and I just want to say that I've been waiting to do this podcast, as I just <laughs> yes, said, yes. for a long time. No, seriously, uh, Joel and Luke Smallbone for King and Country. Welcome. Dude, it is a good day. It is a good so day. Good man. I didn't know that you'd been waiting so long. That breaks my heart, but I'm grateful really? that you. I'm wanted. We're going to talk to Can the I just have a B. direct red line to you oh, yes. next hey. time? Yes, let's go. I'll give you my cell phone. Red we'll phone. It out. Oh, it's Jim. I got to get it. Even yeah. though I'm he'll, give, on stage. Yeah, he'll give you the red phone, but the white one is the one you want. The white one. Yeah, the white one. How come white? This just seems like it. Seems like the white one is Luke's for, favorite color is white. Yeah, which I argue is actually the absence of color is white. Or brothers mm. will digress. Black is all colors. White is. Well, since I think that's just fact. Since we're doing this, what's your favorite color? Yellow. But I'm colorblind. Can you like guys severely colorblind? So listeners will know. Introduce yourselves in the mic so they hear yeah, your yeah. voice. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm Joel. I'm the older, wiser brother between us. You're only thirty-three. Four. Four. About to be thirty-five. June fifth. Yes. That's right. Look, Look at, at this you, guy, Jim. man. She's. I'm Luke, and uh, I am not going to be 35 on June 5th. I'm 32. October. October 22nd. Yeah. You should have waited for me. I knew the date. How do you know that? Are you a birthday? Like, do you, can you recall dates? No, for I just, when I interviewed somebody, I, um, wow. I want to get to know you guys. It's good. You know? And you know what's great about this interview, seriously, for me, just this chat with you uh, for Billboard, is that the last time I talked to you was before... Just before the single came out, Joy. What do you expect from all of this that's about to happen? You both said um, that you had meetings with the labels, and we just want joy. Mm. Joy in everything we do. Mm. So how's that going? Well, it, it, there's a debate whether that was joy the song or the, the joy as like in life. No, no, joy in, in life. <laughs> 
I mean, I think I'm doing better than he is, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. Man, I, I, you, whenever you start something out, I, I remember that interview obviously very, very well, not just because of the conversation, but because of the, the, the symbolic moment of it was one of the, the first interviews that we had really done in depth before the, the single had come out, before the album was coming. And they're kind of they're kind of scary times to a degree because you know you write these songs you write them in these tiny little rooms and you have high hopes for the stories that are are going to be told through these stories uh, through these songs but you're unsure as to how they're going to be accepted and and so I think we had high hopes of it being a a joyful experience because the album wasn't necessarily a walk in the park to make and to you know to sit here in in this studio talking with you I, I think it's been a uh, one of the most fulfilling years, I think, of my life. Mm. I'm so yeah. happy because I know you had health challenges. Yeah. You've both had so many things going on. Mm. And how about you, Joel? Well, it's interesting. This is so. This is our third album. We've been at this together for a while, haven't we, Jim? I can tell you every um, song from start to finish if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my job. It's pretty impressive. Uh, it's. It's, it is interesting having these checkpoints a yeah. year in with you going, okay, well, that was then and this is now. Um, this album represents a lot. I think it represents a maturing for us, partly because our wives were so involved and, and you know, ladies tend to be more mature than can, us fellas. Can you tell us the name of your wives? Yeah. Uh, Mariah is my wife. Courtney is yeah, Luke's wife. wife. They, they sung on the record. Right. Yeah. Um, they also, they, they kind of spoke into it as well um, pretty heavily. You know, the great thing about these Billboard podcasts is people from all genres, fans, will be listening to is A lot of people will be hearing For King and Country for the very first time. Yeah. So what song did your wives sing on? It's the very end of the record, a song called Pioneers. And, you know, the, the album as a whole is kind of a... It's a there's a lot of love songs. There's some social songs. I became a United States citizen right in the middle of recording the Congratulations. record. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, and uh, we also, it's obviously a very spiritual record for us as well, but this love, the Pioneers was really a song of kind of celebrating, a lot of love songs celebrating the infancy or the, the kind of explosion, the beginning of love. But this was a, a song celebrating the commitment and the consistency and the and the kind of, doing life together, that version of love. And How long have Mariah and Courtney been in your lives as wives? Yeah, as wives, I'm coming up on nine years, June, June 26th, nine years, which is crazy. And I met my wife, Mariah, she was kind of a wedding crasher at Luke's and Courtney's wedding. So, so I've known her for nine years. Not only are we she brothers, She just came but in to have a drink? Or she what? came in. <laughs> she was in L.A. She's a musician. She was in L.A. Uh, to meet with record, uh, in from L.A., with record labels um, to have she's meetings. A singer. She, she's a singer. And um, a friend of ours, a very zealous friend of ours, um, who was actually part of starting Miley Cyrus's career, she said, hey, you, uh, to Mariah, my now wife, said, you and this fellow, this Australian fellow need to meet. So I'm going to uninvite my husband to come to the wedding and I'm going to invite you instead, Mariah. You should come as my plus Seriously? one. So not only is he internally indebted to me just because he's my brother, but now because I helped, you know, Set find his wife, you know. Did you start courting her right after the wedding? Kind Pretty of, much. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was about three months afterwards. And, and you've been... For nine years. Nine years, yeah. yeah. Do you guys take, and I hop around a lot in conversations. So I, I know you guys don't mind from the last time around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you've been on the road a while. So do do your families go out with you? Yeah, quite quite a bit. I, I uh, Courtney and I have got three kids, and so uh, I will always bring, for the most part, if we're driving on a bus, I'll always bring one of the boys. And in these days, it's becoming a little bit more common to bring both. And then whenever kind of if, if scheduling works for for us to take everybody, we'll just take uh, we'll take everybody. It, do, it probably happens. I don't know. Yeah. If everybody coming four, five, six tomorrow. Times, yeah. We try and we try and um, make it available to where they can yeah. come out as often. Did they as go as overseas well. with you? They did go to Australia. Yeah, they mm-hmm. went to New Zealand, yeah. Australia with us. Yeah. And was this your first time playing your home country? Jim, that's okay. That, speaking of the last year, that is a big moment for us in this last year. So we went to Australia beginning of this year. We started this kind of burn the ships world tour, right? So we started in New Zealand, went to Australia, played 10 shows in Australia, and, and we self-promoted them. We've never played in Australia before. I heard the crowds were capacity crowds. Where yeah, it was awesome. We had to add Amazing. second shows. We, we, we were shaking in our boots because we were like, man, it's, it's, it's get 20-odd people to Australia. It's not a cheap ordeal. What types of venues were you playing over we there? Started at the Sydney Opera House, so we uh, it was wow. the serendipitous. Is that like moment. a Ryman kind of Ryman Auditorium yeah. similar? I mean, it's probably I would say you know top five most iconic venues in the world. It's just insane. It's a similar size, yes. Yeah, the but closest it's just, I've ever been to Australia is the Outback Steakhouse, so <laughs> which is not very close. Yeah, it's not very close. <laughs> yeah. no, we had this serendipitous <laughs> moment where it was the first time we played in Australia. Um, it was the reason we came to the United States in the first place because dad was a concert promoter. And if you know, yeah, for those of you that well, understand, we've got to break down the small bone family tree here. Yes, yeah, so, so concert promoter, dad's concert promoter, he lost a quarter of a million dollars. This was in the uh, 90s, 80s. He lost a quarter of a million dollars on a tour that went bad, which is what led us to the United States. He was looking for new work. Was he a rock promoter? He did, I mean, Amy Grant and like, yeah, some rock, like Striper. Remember Striper? White, White Heart. I do. Yeah. White Heart. I All played that. bass in Striper for a while. Did you really? No. But so I was like, wow, this, this he, gym he is lost, such a mystery. He lost a quarter of a million dollars and was kind of disgraced as a promoter. And that's why we left. We all, Luke and I, two or seven kids, we all moved to the so States. So that's why you moved here? Yeah. Yeah. So coming back in January... And playing, he'd done shows at the Sydney Opera House, but to come back and self-promote a show and have it be sold, sold out almost twice. We did a matinee and we did a, the evening show. And it was this real wonderful, he manages us, dad manages us. You've had a very successful journey. career even before this latest record came out. Mm. Why, why was it so long before you played your home country, you think? I think because we wanted to do it right. There was something about, I don't know if we were a bit frightened as well, but it was like, it's a big ordeal to go down there and we wanted to tell the right story and have that, and so you end up, you know, that, that, that kind of, it turns into a bit of procrastination. Like, this is not the right time. No, this is not the right time. And in the end, we just kind of pulled the trigger. And I was like, we just have to go. Have to go. I, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. And Thank you. Is New Zealand as beautiful as everybody says? It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah we went to a... Uh, did spent, you get any time, downtime? Yeah, we did. Travel? We went down there and spent uh, four or five days in a town called Queenstown. And it is just spectacular. Uh, and uh, I... I would say it's absolutely as beautiful as you would as you would think and you would dream. It's an were amazing place. You there before the tragic um, shooting yeah, took we place beforehand? Just a f- uh, just a few weeks. So horrible. Yeah. We actually played Christchurch. You uh, did, yeah, just a few weeks before. Now your tour is going to continue in the states mm-hmm. for the spring, rest of spring and summer. We do a bunch of festivals through the summer, and then we we're doing something pretty audacious in the fall. We're doing thirty six 
arenas around basically North America. And we are shaping, in honor of the record, we're shaping the whole stage um, and production in the, as a bow of a ship, playing more music wow. than ever. It's just going to be us. So we're going to take the stage right at the top of the night, play every song off the new album. And it's this. It's going to be this real theatrical night of stories and music. And We're talking with Joel and Luke Smallbone for King and Country. This is Jim Asker. And, and I just want to tell you guys that I saw your show, your full show for the very first time at the Ryman Auditorium. Mm-hmm. And I walked in not knowing what to expect. And, you know, music industry people, you know, we're kind of jaded. We've been the... It's not you, though, Jim. No, it's not you. You're a very happy fella. (laughs) Don't I seem happy? You You seem very happy. No, you seem very... You got the joy. Yeah, you You got the joy. joy. I do have the joy. That's because you ran the Boston Marathon. I did run. 23 times. I was waiting for when we were... No, no, no. I did Boston three times. Oh, okay. Marathon. 23rd full marathon, marathon. which amazing. is 26.2 miles, by the way. Thank you. Who's counting? <laughs> All right, now I lost my train of thought. No. I'm rhyming. Well, yeah, I'm I walked rhyming. into the Ryman, and the, sto- the show started, and just from wire to wire, I've been literally to thousands of concerts at this point in life. I've been around a while. I was in radio for 20 years. I was telling your publicist, Regina, out front, it's in probably my top five, all genres, oh. across the board. I just wow. was not ready for that production, that amazing show from wire to wire. Mm. Um, and when you ended, when you did Joy as the last song, you came out and you were all arm in arm and the huge standing ovation. I felt like it was the end of like a Broadway uh, theatrical production, the way you're standing there. What, what did that feel like? What does that feel like when you're at the end of the show and you just have the crowd just, a, you know, adoration like that, that they've been with you for that two hours, mm-hmm. um, hearing the stories and the songs, and then at the end, that sense of satisfaction. What's that like? I think that particularly because it's Nashville, yeah. it's just a very, you know, we, when we came to America, we would rake leaves and mow lawns as a family. And, and you're, you're kind of this, you're the Australian family, you know, that's got, a, there's a bunch of siblings and, you, you know, you kind of feel probably from, from uh, behind your back, people saying, who knows if they'll make it here in this, this country, you know, and, and for us to be able to play an event like that and there to be an audience filled with our friends, you know, you're a rich man if you have great friends. If you're a rich man if you have great community, you have great people that are, are wanting to, to pull you up and, and, and uh, congratulate you, if that makes sense. And that's the, what it felt like. It felt like there was a crowd full of people. And one thing that's amazing about the Ryman is you, you can basically see everybody's faces. And almost, mm. under, other than under the balcony, you can see everybody in the, entire, mm. uh, uh, in the entire room. And to be able to see that those stories mean something to them. To be able to to see that those songs have spurred them on, maybe in a marathon, spurred them on in a run, to be have this spurred them on in life. And when I jog, by the way, joy, amen, they're on my uh, running. That's they're awesome. on my that's running. That's awesome. I didn't know that. That that's that's an amazing experience. I, I bet you it's like that everywhere you play with the with what you give the the work ethic that you give and the show that you're meticulous about everything you do with your videos, your songs, the songs that you're going to play for us. On this podcast, yeah. you bring players in. I know how meticulous you are, and I—is it like that wherever you play? You think? Uh, well, we were just in Canada the day before yesterday and played an event there, and and uh, it was a really, really special night. You know, I think for me and Luke kind of jested earlier about you know Luke doing better at the joy thing than me. Uh, we have a great partnership, he and I. Um, 
I'm kind of the engine that could, and I, and it get get I can get really super focused and almost uh, obsessive over things or creative things or the show or the nuances of the show. And he has this great yin and yang, just like hey, we're gonna, like it's not that he doesn't cares any less, but just that we're gonna it's gonna be okay. And so, I, for me, one of the great reminders doing shows is when it doesn't go perfectly. And the Ryman was this crescendo of just it was a beautiful moment, but when it doesn't go well. Um, we're playing the same show every night, right? Basically, if for all intents and purposes, it's kind of, it's so orchestrated. It is like a play. It's the, pretty much the same song for song. Most of the stories are pretty, pretty much the same. The difference is the audience. And, and our road manager, uh, tour manager said it to me well the other day. He said, hey, you, the barometer for us all has to be um, how did the performance go based on how the audience responded? And that's been really freeing for me. So Canada two days ago or the Ryman or even shows that don't go well. What's been awesome is closing with joy. It's been this real crystal clear reminder of like, this is one, why you do what you do to to hope to inspire and, and pull people together and celebrate. And two, this internal reminder for me of going, hey, um, dad always says it well. Dad manages us now. He says, you know, mm-hmm. it's the joy. What's the, dad's the, first name? Join the journey. David. 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 You know, you'd be good mates. Yeah, you guys would be good I, I told Regina out front before, can you get me to have coffee with uh, their father? I want to meet him. He's in Australia now, but when he gets back. You should. You would have the time of your life. I'd really like to meet him. <laughs> yeah, he's a good dude. You need to do like a, a breakfast and lunch, though. Because it'll go for a while. It'll go for it'll three No, I'm seeing you two together. We would go <laughs> not, not, because, not because of uh, over. Uh, it, just because you'll have such a wonderful time and there'll be so many stories and such a good exchange that that's why it'll go for Does a while. Does he also manage um, your sister, Rebecca St. James, mm-hmm. yeah. who I hear is going to have some new music coming out yeah. soon? Yeah. yeah. How about that? Can we just break down the family and where how many kids there are? <laughs> the family yeah, tree, yeah. really quick. Yeah, yeah. The, the small bone family tree. Which one of you want, wants to do that? You I, two are two years apart. I'm, right. I'm the deprived the middle. middle child. Yeah, and you're I'm next second down. middle. Yeah, I'm next down. So it's out, obviously it's uh, Rebecca's out. a little older. She's the oldest. And it, Luke uh, almost didn't make it because um, uh, mom and dad were going to have four kids, and I was the fourth one. But they were so thrilled with number four that they were like, "We should have three more." <laughs> I think it was more kind of like, you know, if, if, I've had to, if, if I've had to live through this, the fourth kid, I'm surely sure I could do it. Joel, let's try one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't look at it like that. Uh, but yeah. but it's always, so it's our, our, our father, David, and mother, Helen, and then it's Rebecca. We've got our oldest brother, Daniel, who does all of our, our light. Uh, design and lighting. Is he the movie director? No. Nope. Nope. And then Ben is the next one under him. Yeah, where all this the, talent? Come he's from? the movie director, and and so he does all of our music videos. We're working on developing a movie right now with him. You are? And then, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Then there's Joel, and there's myself, and then there's our, our younger brother Josh, and who's he here does, today, uh, somewhere yeah, running somewhere. around the studio. And he kind of he runs our management office, so he's kind of the the logistics, the administration genius. And uh, then out we have a, a younger sister. Libby as well. Libby helped design the crest. I love me. that name. Uh, how old is Libby? Libby is 27, I think. Yeah, yeah 27. Mm, she'll always be a kid to you, though, right? It is funny how that works. It does kind of feel a little bit like that. She's 14 that's, that's, to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's <laughs> stuck at 21. Yeah. Uh, but there's something nice about that also. Congratulations on the album debut. When I talked to you the last time, the album still had a few weeks before it was going to come out. and. Yeah. Um, it debuted at number one on our top Christian albums charts. Joy uh, was number one for three weeks. Um, and now your current song, which I'm hoping you'll play for us today, 
uh, number one we'll for seven weeks. Uh, God only knows. And um, congratulations. I just want to say congratulations on everything oh, because you. I, you. I was so happy for you. When, when I finished the interview, you know, I've got to interview a lot of people, but I remember saying to Jerry, like, I love these guys. Mm-hmm. They're just so infectious. Like, they just bounced off the elevator. They're excited about what they do. I know that you, Luke, had gone through a real big health challenge yeah. before. Can you just mention that really quick and yeah. the, the, the time off before yeah. Burn the Ships came out? Because there was a time period there of, of lapse. Yeah, so I got uh, diagnosed with a digestive disorder uh, probably about six years ago now. And, you know, when, when I got diagnosed, uh, you know, I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have. And I, got, I ended up getting really, really, really sick. I mean, I got down to... 125 pounds. I'm six foot four. And, and, you know, at that point you go into doctor's appointments and they're freaking out a little bit, you know, like, Hey, if if you're not careful, this can get really, really bad. And, and it did get really, really bad. And I had to come off the, off the road for about two and a half months. And, you know, there was a moment where, you know, you're, you're off the road and everybody thought, well, if Luke just gets some rest and his health's going to bounce back. And for about a month, I just didn't, I didn't get any better. I, I potentially got worse. And, you know, I think for so many of us, when you go through health struggles, you go through challenges in life, whether it's health or mental or whatever it might be, job, you just start, there's mo- there's like pinnacle moments where you kind of have these these uh, come to Jesus moments where it's, why, why am I sick? You know, what what's going on? Why can't I, why can't I rebound? Why can't I get a lot better? And I think I had found that uh, up at that point in my life, there was a lot that was taking place that I felt like I had to achieve. I had to get out there and work. I, you know, I had to get out there and provide for my family. And I was trying to do so much that I think I had kind of lost myself in it. But you kind of, you have to surrender to exactly. that moment where you're there. Exactly. I'm a cancer survivor. So yeah, I know course. that you have to, when I was first, I was misdiagnosed so many times. And when you're diagnosed with stage four cancer, you know, it really doesn't hit you that train I didn't realize the train I got hit by until much afterwards. And there was a moment of time that I'm sure you went through where you have to stop resisting and just Uh kind of surrender to it. And like, this is my job to fight this now. And by fighting it, I'm going to just stay in bed and tune everything else out. Well, and I think the other thing is is you, you have to realize that, you know, the worst could happen. So what do you do with that? How do you love you know, how do you love the people around you? What kind of legacy I, are you leaving people? And that's a hard thing to realize. But I that, never accepted that part. I remember at one point they came into, um, and they never told me what the odds were, but yeah. they were slim at first because it was yeah. stage four. Of course. They came in to do my will, and I said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I like that. I'm not, wow. not going to be here in the hospital much longer. And um, I never, so I never accepted that. Mm. Interesting. Um, I think part of that there might be the, the, the fight in you too, though. Absolutely, mm-hmm. the hope of no. I'm going to make the, the that you can see the and Luke had his own fight, but you can the, that resolution of going. I'm going to, I'm going to make. I'm going to have hope enough to make this make through it. The the, mm-hmm. the, the, the human spirit is very strong, very strong. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Never give up! Doesn't it feel good that your music gives people hope? What do fans tell you about after digesting this record? What are they telling you? Well, this this one's been interesting because the first record, you're just writing... You know, you wrote for five years and you just kind of picked the cream of the crop. And so it's such a wide, long period of time that you're writing. And then the second album, Run Wild, Live Free, Love Strong, was like this, okay, we're going to make another album. And it actually fell right in the middle of Luke's illness that he just shared about. And so a lot of the music, I kind of, in some ways, became a little bit more of a, of a, of a sort of manager of the record. I wrote on it and we wrote it all together, but he was walking through so much that that was the story to tell. So song like sh- songs like Shoulders, you know, Without You were written on that record directly about his journey. Whereas this one, I say at the beginning of the podcast, it feels a bit more like a maturing. Part of that is because, yeah, we're both, we're both married. He, Luke has a family. I have a Great Dane and a cat. And um, we, we're now at this place of, okay, we're able to look back and far enough through the career to see where we've come. And also... It was a very balanced writing procedure for us. So songs that carry so much weight, songs like Control or Fight on Fighter for me or Burn the Ships for Luke. Um, and, and it was... So that makes it even more impacting to hear these people people share about, like, Control, for instance, for me. is, is that's, that's, one of my, that's one of my vices, the blessing and the curse, is I want to I I maintain control. Um, and the amount of people that have come out and said, hey, you know, this is my... This is my vice, and this has been this has been a song that has just released me. Mm. The story you told about burn the ships was, was stuck with me after it was a phenomenal story, and um, I love how you intersperse the, the stories, the music when you're when you're on stage. But that burn the ship story is very compelling. Um, can you just give a snip of, of it and what that yeah. the song's about? Because um, I'm hoping that might be your next single. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> well, if you maybe said we'll play so. that one for you today <laughs> <Yeah>. too, <laughs> just as a precursor. Uh, yeah. So when my wife was pregnant with our, our uh, uh, middle son Phoenix, you know, she was going through a ton of nausea, and so she went to the doctor, and and they said, "Hey, here's some medicine. You should feel a lot better." And and it lost its effectiveness after a little while. So she goes back and and uh, and she says, "Well, it's not working anymore. Is there anything more you can do?" And and they gave her more of the same medicine and up the dosage and. I was in Texas for a show and she called me and she said, Hey, I've got, uh, I've been taking this medicine and I just can't stop taking it anymore. I need you to come home. And so I got on the next plane, uh, came home and coming back to show that night in Austin. And And so, uh, so he played it himself. I played it on my own. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, Yeah. he did. Yeah. But that's kind of, not to interject, but that's kind of a, the MO of the band is that no wife had ever made that call at that point in our career, but if it ever does happen, whether it's a musician or crew or band, we just put them on a plan and send them home. That's great. So I get home, you know, I see Courtney and I say, honey, you, you know, you okay? And she said, well, I'm okay right now. But as the night progressed, you know, I could see her hands begin to tremble and, and she would start saying things like, hey, I know the doctors don't want me to take any more of this medicine, but what if I take one more pill, you know, to get me through the night? 
and you know at that point I realized you know we've got a little bit of a an issue on our hands. So the next day we went to a, to a mental health facility, and we're in the waiting room, and eventually a nurse comes and says, "Courtney, will you come on back?" And we both get up to go, and and they're like, "Well, Luke, you don't get to come to this. You know, you got to stay out there and wait uh, while we do this evaluation." And and that was a very it was kind of a, in that whole story, it was a very, very lonely moment for both of us, not being able to journey through the struggle together, you know, arm in arm in that moment, even though it didn't last very long, it was tough. And she came out a little while later and she said, hey, they're recommending intensive outpatient therapy for a little while. And so we, I would drop her off at 9 a.m. in the morning, pick her up at 2, and uh, uh, we did that for two weeks. And after that two weeks, they said, hey, you're on the right trajectory, you're good to go. And she came home one night and she had that bottle of pills in her hand. She said, look, I need to go and flush these pills because these pills are just, they represent so much shame and guilt in my life. And I was reminded of a story about an explorer who went to a foreign land. And when he arrived, he said to his men, we're going to go explore, you know, the mountains. We're going to go explore the horizon. We're going to see what, what this land has for us. And he realized that none of his men wanted to follow him. They just wanted to return to what was familiar, to what was comfortable, what they knew. And he waits a few days and he calls all of his men onto the shoreline again. And he says, I want every single soldier on this shoreline. And once they were all accounted for, he, he said to his generals, hey, burn the ships because we're not returning. We're going we're gonna to leave no choice but to see what's up ahead. And for my wife, you know, that's what she did when she flushed those pills. You know, that was her moment of burning the past. And I think for a lot of us, there's things in our lives that uh, that principle of burning the ships, leaving the past behind is just really powerful. Such an inspirational story. Where did you do the video for that? <laughs> well, we because for we anybody who hasn't seen it, they need to. You need yeah, to see it. That's a fun it. video. We did five music videos, one a month leading up to the album, and we shot like Pioneers with our wives. We shot that in Iceland. We shot another one in Chattanooga. Shot one of them on the salt flats of Utah. Amen. And Burn the Ships was in Seattle. Actually, we somehow commandeered the. Uh, interceptor from the Pirates of the Caribbean, the ship. And, and you know, it's a pretty straightforward music video. And there's like, okay, we have the song called Burn the Ships. What are we, what's the music video going to be about? Well, we should, you know, craft a story around a burning ship. And so uh, we... We, that's just what we did. We had a, a, a day out there on the boat on the open water, and it was it was pretty remarkable. But there was this moment towards the end that Luke's very proud of himself with, where we had to we had to mm, jump overboard oh, yes. while the while the ship was exploding. He, he and I jumped overboard, and we really did it. And it was, I was yeah, ask it was about that. it was cold, very cold, very cold. Water. It was forty degree, thirty degree water, and so we jumped off. And they had an EMT. One take, I hope. One take, yeah. We uh, we refused to do it again. Uh, he refused to do it again because you like doing things over. You know, until you get a perfect. So, yeah. but that was one take. It was one take. The, one, the was, jump off of of the boat was one take. Yeah. We jumped off, and they had an EMT, so we took our blood pressure before, and and then took our heart rate again after, right afterwards. And Luke's very proud. He can. Tell well, you the why. metric of health is really, you know, when when things are really bad, when you're really really cold. You know, how does your heart hold up? And you know, his was struggling. Mine was fine. <laughs> That's not true. What he doesn't tell you is that the, I don't mean they to did mine first. True. They did mine my first and got my heart rate. Then they did him like five or ten minutes later. Yeah, I'm, so just saying, oh, okay. I'm just saying, man. Yeah. I'm I've got a bigger very heart. He, he he needs this sort of affirmation, though, Jim. You just got to got to give it to <laughs> for him. anybody who hasn't seen it. You need to see that. And uh, the God only knows video. Well, they're all great, but I'm. I'm not into videos, really, because I'm 600 years old, and I like mm -hmm. hearing the songs and the imagination of it without seeing the video. Yeah, uh -huh. But your video production, they're like mini-movies, and the one for God Only Knows is so 
powerful, mm-hmm. and you shot it on a, a and anybody who hasn't seen that yet, um, it has like 25 million views or something, so um, probably everybody has seen it, but anybody who has it, it's very powerful, um, and you did it on a bridge in yeah. Chattanooga, right? one of the main bridges, and we did a lot of it kind of with these POV cameras, where Chainsmokers did a few years ago as well, you kind of, you attach them to your hips, and there's just a camera in front of you, and it sort of moves with you, and it creates a very intimate Storyline, and in that case, it was following just really the day in the life of this young lady, um, and everything sort of looked normal. And you went to the coffee shop, and she went to a meal with some friends, and then midway through, she she throws herself off a bridge, and you just kind of like, wait, what? Um, and uh, it was indicative of when we came up with the concept. It was the same week that Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade mm. passed away. And so you start doing a bit of a a deep dive into where we find ourselves. And on one hand, we're the most connected that we ever have been through the Internet and smartphones and devices and such. But there also equally seems like there's this chronic isolation and disconnect that we're facing statistically you know depressions on the rise suicide thoughts and of suicide are on the rise and and people taking their own life on on the rise and so we wanted to kind of take this opportunity with this song to put a magnifying glass on on that concept you throw yourself off the bridge it reverses and then there's this moment where this friend interacts with her in a certain way and it kind of changes as she was on her way to do it it changes the whole outcome And, and it's really a commentary on the there's so much more that unites us than what divides us. I think uh, May 18th, 2017, I became an American citizen. I mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, so just over two years yeah, he's, ago. He's not proud of it. Or I'm anything. not proud of it at all. No, I'm very proud. I'm very proud. You should but, be. But uh, it's, it's I, I, I am. And I, I care so much about this country and the people of the country more than I ever have. And um, so that kind of was laced into it as well as this man, there's so much possibility and so much opportunity. And that day I digress, but that day just down the road here at the courthouse when I got sworn in, the, uh, the judge presiding over, over the, 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 well, the proceedings, if you will, said uh, to, there were 60 of us from 24 different countries. He said, what makes America great is, is diversity, is bringing your ideas, bringing your culture, bringing your thoughts, bringing your art. And I'd never heard it put like that. And I thought, you know, you're right. That's that's the beauty of America is that we can all come here and we're a product of this. You come into this 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 country. We built a life here. America allowed us to build a life here as a family and in turn able to offer our family dynamic uh, for better or for worse, our thought process for better and for worse, you know, our, our creativity for better and for worse. And so um, God only knows has been in our career, maybe one of the most um, resonating songs culturally, not even just in America, but around the world that we've, we've ever experienced. And so it does feel like you take, since we met again, you take, you take our time in Australia, you take joy, you take this song, and you take the fact that it's All know, this seven impact. weeks running at number one. It's, it's very humbling have your songs been on the radio in australia new zealand britain yeah i i I don't know if the infrastructure is exactly the same as the way it is over here but yeah it's it's in australia it was part of what uh was so intriguing about seeing the development of of a song like god only knows is uh 
the people told us that that was a song that they wanted to hear because anytime we would go play it, it wasn't on the radio anywhere at one point, and every time we would go play it, it was as if it was getting as big of a response as the songs that we knew that were on the radio at the time. I don't and think radio the, genres are as specific. In no, those that's countries. correct. No, that's correct. Right. No. And so, that, and then that's kind of fun as well, you know. But when we played Australia to see that song kind of just, you know, be uh, seemingly everybody's favorite moment of the entire night. Uh, was was really interesting because it was very early on in, in that song's kind of radio life. Were, were you blown away a little bit in the beginning when people would sing joy back to you and um, so quickly that people were gravitating to the lyrics? I, I, and I think the biggest the thing music? that was, was interesting was is bef- right when we released Joy, we were actually overseas. And the the last time we'd released an album was, you know, nearly four years prior. And so what we didn't realize is how much technology and how much has changed in the way that people consume yeah. music. So we released Joy and basically Things our first couple fast. shows. Yeah. <laughs> our first couple shows, guess what's happening? Everybody's singing the song. Three or four days after you And released. so we were we were used to like you release a song and you wait three, four months. Not anymore. It's it's basically so, it, so that, that blew us away. It blew us away. And is it true you, you, you the choir on that song is what a hundred people or something? Yeah, well, it, we did eighty. Is that true? Eighty versions of that song before we ever released it. Rewrote the verses and the bridge, and you know we wrestled with it. But the day that we were recording it, uh, we were in LA, and simultaneously there was a session with this wonderful gospel choir happening in Nashville. They were tracking on another song of ours, and I remember we we came up with that moment, the joy at the top of the chorus, and we called. The the engineer that was running the 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 uh, or the producer that was running the session in Nashville with the choir, and we said, "Hey, just they'd never heard the song, they they, they didn't know the tempo, they didn't know the idea behind it. So just have them sing this word in this key and split it out into a bunch of harmonies." Throughout all the iterations, the 80 iterations of the song, that was kind of the, 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 the anchor, if you will, of the foundation, that choir singing that piece, and it made it all the way through. Amazing. Did, did you guys produce the record? Yeah. For the ships? We had three other producers work with us on it. Right. And they, we all producers. co-produced it. We five, if, five, if you want to look at us as individuals. Yeah, yeah. true. Can the two of you ever see giving up control of that, just saying, all right, Joel and Luke, do this, and directing you the entire time i don't think so You're right it's kind of the, what, the people that, that we choose hard. to work with at this point it's such a back and forth and at the end of the day it doesn't feel like anyone's got the alpha seat in the chair you know the, it's it's, yeah. it's kind of we're all just doing this together and it, that's the, the people that are close to us are uh and that we work with very closely they kind of want that they accept that it's like well what do you think and it's this back and forth and it's the back and forth and through all the conversations that you kind of whittle away at the song it's a cool creative you know? dance yeah it is now the Stressful, album <laughs> the album's been out about a year right yeah. eight months um tremendous response are are you looking ahead to the next album yet Nah, we were actually, Luke mentioned this film. So we were part of a film with our brother Ben. It was released through Roadside Attractions in Universal a couple of years ago. It's called Priceless. Kind of, it's a love story drama and it was circling around um, a storyline that was uh, found, this young lady found herself in the middle of human trafficking. Human trafficking. And so we've been looking for the right story to tell since then. And uh, about a month and a half ago, we were out in Los Angeles, maybe two months, and we announced with Lionsgate, and another new production studio called Kingdom Studios, uh, the development of a musical 
set over three Christmases during the Civil War uh, called The Drummer Boy. And it, it follows two brothers, actually, that end up on opposite sides of the war. And so we're writing, we're right in the midst of writing all of the music for it. And wow. Overseeing the script. How exciting. And, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's taking a lot of our creative yeah. energy. You have so much talent in so many different areas that um, you're, you're probably attracted to so many different mediums, right? Yeah, I think it all feeds into itself. Particularly when you do a film that's a musical. I mean, you mentioned our music videos. They're kind of little movies. So it's like, well, what if we take... We did the the cover of the song, the Christmas song, The Little Drummer Boy, a couple of years ago, and it was really infectious, and, and, and people loved it. And so that was probably part of what sparked us even leaning into this concept of the drummer, the drummer boy, and all of our art around our Christmas stuff has been surrounding a drummer boy. And so we thought, well, this seems like the fitting thing At, to at do. the end of the day, as artists, you're, you're, you're attempting to be good storytellers. Mm-hmm. So if you're a painter, a painter is still selling it's, uh, you know, a story through their painting. And so all, all you're really doing at the end of the day is broadening the, the ways that you're telling those stories. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more dialogue in a, an hour and a half movie than, you know, th- you know, three minutes and 30 seconds than what you have in a song. But you're using similar tricks. You know, you, you, you're, still, you're still listening to a song and you, you know, you're asking yourself, does this convey a story that I want to listen to again? And I think with the movie, you're, you're attempting to do the same thing. You're reading a script and you're saying, do I want to read this script again? And that's the metric of how you really try to find out if it's good or not, if it's worthwhile spending, you know, time developing those things. But you're trying trying to transpose some maybe some talent over here into a you know in a, in a slightly different world. But at the end of the day, it's still stories. There's so much more I want to ask you about. We are running out of time, unfortunately. <laughs> if we're going to get a um, we come back and do it again with me um, Absolutely. next year yeah there you go or sooner or sooner, yeah, or sooner. let's sooner. just make it like a like an uh, every half year we'll check in <laughs> the update <laughs> i want to ask you quickly though what what's something that each of you are listening to that might surprise us what are you listening to right now that might surprise i've been listening to the spider verse uh, uh soundtrack lately the what what is it even called the uh, the spider man the new spider man kids comic thing they did this soundtrack to it and uh it kind of blew me away and i obviously when i was listening to it uh, the kids were in the background and they were listening to it as well and so they started saying hey can you play the spider-verse you know soundtrack a little bit more and so it's been something that i is kind of really surprised me but i really really enjoy it yeah how about you my my wife really uh Got me into this this Casey Musgraves mm. movement. What, what a great album! Yeah, so we went to see her. She's speaking of the Ryman. We went to see her show at the Ryman a couple of months ago, and and uh, we that's been particularly when we're in Australia. That was like our record from top to bottom. And I always Such particularly nice in 2019, album, yes, when you can have an album that you just don't start picking apart songs. I think it's a real accomplishment when you can listen to a, bo- a body of music for 45 minutes or an hour and like really appreciate uh, it. I love that. And I love that, that you guys have not given up on the album. Please don't give up on the album. No, As I love the album. You, yeah. You've done an album that's a cohesive arc. It, your concert is like that. Um, and... And it's all a cycle, you know. When I was a little kid buying records for the first time, it was 45s. Yeah. You know, people going into the five and dime, they would actually have a phonograph. You could listen to it before you bought it for a dollar. Wow. It's amazing that songs are a dollar now, and they were a dollar when yeah, I was like eight years around, old, right? Uh, and then, you know, the Beatles do Sgt. Pepper, the, uh, the 
Beach Boys do Pet Sounds and it becomes the album and all these groups. And now it swings back the other way. But thankfully, you know, we have people like you uh, with your albums and Casey Musgraves. Have you heard the Tori Kelly gospel record? Because that's a really good record, too. I haven't heard the whole thing, no. I did a podcast with her last year. She did an amazing show at the Ryman, too. Mm. It's really, and, and there's just some great albums coming out. So I hope I hope you don't give it, give up on the album. No. no. We're committed. You we're promise? Committed to the well, you just have to... The, the, the singles are are out there to just hopefully pique people's uh, you know, uh, interest into the album. Well, right? when I heard and Joy, so, honestly, I thought, this is just a phenomenal pop record. It's just mm-hmm. got everything. It's got hooks. It's got the choir. It grabs you in. Mm-hmm. Right away, it pulls you in. Um, and as an old radio person, I just it's just the kind of record you want to put on the air like right away, you know. So congratulations on that. It's it's a smash. Um, and so is God Only Knows, and so is your next one. So uh, thank you so much for very coming encouraged, in. Man, um, yeah, you, you, you said that we're energetic and uh, yeah. whatever. You're doing the same for us, so thanks thank very you, much. Thank you, Joel and Luke Smallbone. Good luck to you this summer on the road, and uh, by all means, stay safe out there. Um, and um, and I wish you well. Uh, much success down the road. This Maybe before we wrap up, we should play a few of those songs for you. You mentioned um, yeah, which one God you Only you Knows. Do? Uh, and I think Luke's story about the burn the ships. We should play a bit of. Maybe we'll start. We'll start with burn the ships. And we'll wrap up with God on their nose. How about that? Let's do them. This is Jim Asker with For King and Country on the Billboard Chart Beat Podcast. into a new day We can rise up from the dust and walk away We can dance upon the heartache yeah. So light a match Leave the past Burn the ships Don't you look back
long to shame Walk through the sorrow Out of the fire Into tomorrow So flush the pills Face the fear Feel the way it disappeared We're coming clean We're born again Our hopeful lungs can breathe again Oh, we can breathe again Then step into a new Show up while you're dreaming Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe it Every day you try to pick up all the pieces All the memories, they somehow never leave you Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you Nobody, nobody will believe it God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you God only knows I was killing you But there's a kind of love that God only knows God only knows what you've been through God only knows what to say about you God only knows the real you There's a kind of love that God only knows There's a kind of love that There's a kind of love You keep a cover over every single secret So afraid if someone saw them, they would leave But somebody, somebody, somebody sees you Somebody, somebody will never leave you God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you God only knows how it's getting you But there's a kind of love that God only knows God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say Oh, for the lonely, for your shame, the misunderstood. 
break through God only knows the real you But there's a kind of love that God only knows Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.